Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's mentally yours from Ellen and So Lucy, welcome to Mentally Yours. Thanks so, so much for joining us. Thank you. So can we start a bit sort of at the beginning in terms of um, mental health stuff for you? When did you first realise um, that there were sort of issues? Um, so the first issue really came quite out of the blue. It was totally unexpected, um, I think, for myself and everyone. Um, so I pretty much went through normal childhood. I never had any kind of mental health problem or difficulty um, until I was 19 years old. Um, and I went on my first um, girls holiday, girls only holiday with one of my friends. Um, so I was 19, she was 18 and we went to Fort Ventura. And whatever happened to this day, no one really knows exactly what happened. But basically, I ended up getting very mentally unwell during the holiday. Um, I believe it was because my drinks were spiked and that obviously then instigated whatever was lying kind of underneath. Um, so basically that culminated in me having kind of a manic episode um, with psychosis as well. Um, so it was a really difficult holiday for my friend because I was very difficult to be around. I was kind of verbally abusive towards her, um, trying to escape. I thought like the mafia were after us and I was very, very, getting very unwell. Um, in the end, when I came home to the UK, um, that's when I went into hospital. Or I went straight to A&E, basically, and they said, yeah, you're having um, a kind of psychotic episode and you need urgent medication. Um, so that was kind of when it first started for me, really, um, when I was 19. 
and and that's um was not when i was diagnosed with bipolar that was just diagnosed as a first episode psychosis because i was young and that was my first presentation you don't tend to get diagnosed uh, with bipolar that kind of young. How much later was mm. it that you got diagnosed with bipolar disorder? Um, it was actually when I was 25, so mm. quite a period of time, really. Um, I got re-diagnosed, a new diagnosis this year. So first of all, they just said when I was 25 that I had another episode then, and they said, no, it's definitely bipolar. Um, but they didn't. The, the psychiatrist just said, I don't have a preferable type. She just said, I'm calling it bipolar, and that's that. Um, oh. Whereas more more recently, I've been it's like type two bipolar is what I've been diagnosed with more recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so it was actually a very long period of time, really, between 19, and I didn't have any issues in between that time at all. I just lived my life unmedicated and nothing happened. So um, it's it's quite an odd one for me, really. It's interesting. It's it's so common as well, though, I think, for um, things to start in when you're a teenager. Yeah. Um, from speaking to other guests, that does seem to be sort of fairly common. And also that's sort of what happened for me. But also that gap you were talking about between first becoming ill and then the diagnosis. I've got a really I had a really similar experience of yeah getting ill at 17 Mm -hmm. 18 and then not getting diagnosed until I was 24 and so although I had sort of patches of mania and depression between that it was still a bit weird sort of like you say being unmedicated and and also not really knowing what what was wrong exactly because they don't want to diagnose you yeah um, yeah I think a lot of my research suggests that people kind of um, actually spend most of their time depressed um, mm. rather than manic, which is what causes the issues with diagnostic um, and actually getting a diagnosis because they're actually just normally. So my GP diagnosed me with major depressive disorder with, for years, even though she knew I had had the kind of psychosis as well. Um, and then when I went back to her after my second manic episode, she said, oh, I was actually worried that that might happen. And I just thought, oh, OK, thanks. Thanks for that. <laughs> How was it when you did finally get the diagnosis? Did you feel any relief or were you, you know, was there any worries about that? Yeah, there's a lot of worries and mm-hmm. I've still been working on them more recently. For me, it's worries about, you know, having a family, um, mm. the, the, all the concerns around now I'm, I'm a bit older now and it, the kind of it's the time where my friends are having children and I'm like okay it's not that easy for me anymore it's not just a straight away okay you can get pregnant and it will all be fine um so I've been working with my care coordinator recently he's still involved um, with me at the moment um on kind of like relapse prevention and trying to get a plan together from if this happens again in the future mm-hmm. um so so yeah it was kind of a relief when I was diagnosed because I I think I already knew I probably had it buried in the back of my mind. I did know that I had something wrong. Um, but I think because no one ever saw it, really, people didn't really believe that I actually had anything wrong. Um, so it's almost kind of a relief in actually saying to my husband, there you go, I do have bipolar. Um, so he was a bit like, oh, OK, yeah, I didn't think you really had that. Um, so, it, it, again, it was quite a strange one, really. Mm, it's affirming to be like believed and be like okay no I'm not just being weird or making it up as Mm. well when you mentioned about having kids am I right in thinking that that would involve for example having to come off medication because I think people aren't aware that that 
is something that you have to even think about. Yeah. So mm. so for me, so I'm on lithium now, um, which is like the gold standard treatment for bipolar. I am mm. on another drug as well, but I'm kind of tapering off that now. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, basically, the rules are you can't have a child Well, you can have a child on lithium, but there's very specific rules around it. So Mm. ideally, you're recommended that you come off the lithium for the first trimester of your pregnancy. And then you can take it throughout the second and third trimester, but only with that there are still kind of risks around that. I do know people that have taken lithium um, throughout pregnancy and I know people that have had no issue, but it's not personally something that I would want to do. Um, I just think that, you know, as a baby, I think you've got enough kind of going on without having kind of potential heart defects and things like that. Um, so, yeah, so I don't think it's something that people realise at all. But actually, mm. for me, it's a it's a huge. Yeah, it's a it's a massive kind of worry for me. Definitely. Yeah. And it's all these like I feel like having a kid is already such a massive decision. And mm. then to have this added into it. Yeah. Oh God, it's so difficult. <laughs> it is. Mm. It's it's um it's a big thing. And as I say, I know people that have done it and it's all gone smoothly. The other fear for me is that I definitely would get unwell. So the rate for bipolar is I think it's um fifty percent chance that you will have postpartum psychosis or some form of postpartum illness, um, or even depression, whatever it may be. <clears throat> um so yeah, so that that is kind of a difficult one because it's kind of like I'm risking becoming unwell again which mm. obviously I'm actively trying to avoid um and by having a child you're almost saying okay I'm gonna give the risk there's a risk here that I'm gonna get unwell as well um you mentioned was it a, a care coordinator or you there's somebody you, that you work with in the NHS yeah. um what's their sort of plan for helping you with that in terms of, um, of medication so and basically how would it work so basically, there's a perinatal mental health team, which would be where I would go under. Um, but that's not really I've, I'm set to have a meeting with a psychiatrist, hopefully when I can get an appointment. And that's what they want me to discuss, because I've said to them, it will probably be in the next few years that me and my husband look to try. Um, Because my husband's a bit older than me. He's 32 and he's really he does want to have that in his future. Um, so I've said to them, I'll come in for a chat and they will then decide what what would be the best thing to do. Um, I mean, you can kind of conceive whilst taking lithium, but then I would then need to be kind of gradually titrated down and it would need to be organised pretty quickly. Um, so until you're pregnant, you don't get to go under the perinatal service. So it's only when you're actually pregnant and it's a viable pregnancy. So 12 plus weeks. Um, so, yeah, so I'm hoping to have a conversation with them about this and work out what, what the actual plan would be, because at the moment I don't really have a plan, um, which which kind of worries me as well. Yeah, it's scary to not have a plan, but know that you need one. For sure. yeah. like That's always yeah. scary. Alongside Definitely. medication, what treatment are you receiving for bipolar? Um, so my treatment is lithium and then another drug, which is an antipsychotic called olanzapine. Um, so the lithium is I've only been on this now for about three months. Um, and this is the first time that I've felt kind of truly normal for about since about 2018. Mm-hmm. Um so it really, really works very well for me so far anyway. Um, everyone's really impressed and kind of quite pleased with how I'm doing. And um, 
So, so yeah, so just those drugs, just those two. Um, it's a big kind of lifestyle change as well, um, because I can't drink a massive load of alcohol on lithium, um, because again, it dehydrates you and it can cause some serious issues. Um, so it's a big no go. Um, I do still have a few drinks, but I have to kind of set myself a limit and say, okay, you're not having more than two or three gin and tonics, um, kind of thing. Um, but I think I'm getting on okay with it so far. It seems to definitely be really effective for me. Um, and it seems like I'm just living my life normally, really. And have you had or do you have anything in the way of um, therapy or CBT or kind of practical things that you found helpful in terms of kind of maintaining a good mental health? I mean, for me, it's I've, I've done sort of therapy in the past, but I find meditation quite helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So there's quite a few things I do to stay well. One of them is exercise. Um, so I have a training lady and I go to her. I do I do have a gym membership on my own, but I'm terrible for being motivated to actually <laughs> go. So I tend to um, need a bit of a kick up the arse to actually get going with that. Um, but support. So I've had a lot of psychology. Um, I've had a lot of different therapies. I've had um, several different therapies, uh, many years of counselling as well. Um, and a lot of it, I guess, at the moment, because I'm quite well at the moment, I've made the decision um, and with my psychologist that I'm not going to have treatment at this time, um, mm. just because she said she feels it will be more detrimental for me to actually have it than than not have it, if that makes sense, um, because we'll be covering things that are quite traumatic, things that have happened in the past and just stuff that is not ideal, like manic episodes and the kind of crazy things that you do when you're not well. Um so, yeah, so going to the gym, um, trying to eat well and just maintain a healthy lifestyle, really. I say that um, <laughs> I say that whilst thinking I need to give up smoking and that's that's one of my bad habits. Um, but, yeah, I've been fortunate to uh, privately. I paid for a lot of therapy because um, that some of these things are not offered under the NHS or they are. But there's a lot of kind of a very long waiting list. Um, so mm-hmm. I had EMDR therapy, which is like eye movement um, reprogramming. Um, and that's basically about covering kind of traumatic memories. Mine are all kind of related to any manic episodes I've had where I've done kind of quite embarrassing things or, you know, saying things like, I think I'm sonic on acid and all this weird kind of weird stuff. Um, so a lot of mine has been around that um, and kind of just getting through those bits, really reprogramming them, putting them right in the back in kind of in the bookshelf in their right place. Um so yeah, so I've 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 been active in therapy for a long time actually. Probably I'd say throughout the last six seven years, I've always had a counsellor or a psychologist or someone that I go and talk to. Um, I do have um, the care coordinator under the NHS, and he's just he just sees me once a month, but mainly to make sure I'm still heading in the right direction, kind of thing. Really, when you talked about how it started, mm-hmm. the manic episodes seem kind of a rarity and they weren't happening often um and now you talk about how that was really traumatic kind of looking back on it and you feel a lot of shame around those kind of things are you now more able to know if a manic episode is coming up or would you be more able to go okay I'm experiencing a manic episode I know what to do I know how to get help or would it be as kind of terrifying as it was the first time 
Um, I definitely don't think anything could be as terrifying as mm. the first time, mainly because I was trapped in a foreign country um, yeah. and I was on my own because my friend did leave at one point because I was in hospital and I missed the flight home and it was a nightmare. Mm. Um, so I definitely don't think it could get any worse than that. Um, the last episode I had was a new type of episode for me. So it was a mixed episode where you have you have kind of manic um, elements, but you're also feeling depressed at the same time. Um, and that is by far the worst episode that I've ever experienced because mm. it was you just didn't know what your mood was doing one minute to the next. Um, so this time I feel like I've learned a lot more about that as well and how that presents for me. Um, so I think I'm pretty well equipped to deal with manic episodes when they come up. The only thing is, is that depending how quickly they happen you kind of lose a bit of insight whereas now I can speak about it you know as a rational mm. normal functioning person by the time a manic episode's hit in you're not a normal person you're you're just not functioning at your normal normal kind of pace and speech gets very very sped up um so yeah it's I, I think I would know and my fr friends and family would definitely know um but it depends whether they'd kind of got to it in time if that mm. makes sense yeah um but I definitely know what medication works for that as well now um so I think I'm I definitely have got a kind of good load of resources and I know what to do but it's mainly actually waiting for the doctors to appointments to actually get prescribed the medication in time um because obviously once you've come off it, basically what happens and what I hear a lot of people with bipolar is you get well and then you get discharged from the service and then getting back into the service when you when you know you're getting unwell, it takes too long. So by the time mm. they actually see you, you're then unwell again. Because, um, I mean, this time around, it took me about eight weeks, eight, eight or nine weeks to have a medical appointment. Um, so it's just way too long really to wait so I think I could I might be sitting there saying to you I'm not very I'm not very well mm. um, but obviously if the support is not actually there that's when the difficulties arise yeah of course that's all so, oh god the eight weeks is just mm. a miserable number to hear it's yeah, yeah. It's, it's a long time it really is could you tell us a bit about um, your career because it's quite interesting in terms of well, your your background as well, but um, mm -hmm. yeah. So why yeah, did you decide so, to, to? Sorry, this is I'm just <laughs> sorry, I'm just babbling today. But yeah, tell us a bit about your career. Okay, um, so basically, after my first episode, this was when I was still kind of didn't really know that I had bipolar. Um, I had a really brilliant woman that worked with me and she really inspired me, and I I just thought, okay, I really want to be a mental health nurse. Um, so basically what happened was I got discharged. I was quite well. I was, you know, in a much better place. Everything had been kind of, it was almost historic really when I started my training. The incident happened in 2013 and I started my training in 2016. Um, so yeah, so I basically just became a mental health nurse because of my own experience. I just really wanted to see if I could do anything positive with it and turn it around. Um, so I went to uni, I went to uni in Ipswich um, from 2016 to 2019 um, and became a mental health nurse. Um, so that's one of my kind of really, I'm, I'm really proud of that as an achievement. Um, you know, whether or not illness prevents me sometimes from doing it. Um, I think it's still a massive achievement for me that I actually, get, you know, did a degree and it was a really good time for me as well. Um, so moving forward now, I actually work for a charity now. Um, 
because health wise, I've had a long time kind of in the last two years where I've been unwell on and off. Um, and I just decided that I needed a little bit of a break from nursing because it does involve putting, you know, a lot of your emotional stuff to one side. And I didn't want to kind of get that involved with the work that I do. Um, because it's not something where you kind of sit and cry with your patients kind of thing. Um, obviously, you're meant to be, you know, there to support them. Um, so I just decided to go to the charity for a little while, do something new, do something fresh and different. Um, so, yeah, so that's um, a charity that's Woodland. Basically, we, we run Woodland courses um, and they're for people with kind of low and high end mental health needs, um, ex probation or current probation, um, alcohol and drug use, um, anything like that. So we run recovery courses as well. Um, so it's a really, really great, great charity for me to be involved in. Um, and they do just some really amazing work. They kind of do bushcraft, um, creative crafts, making things, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's really good. Um, I'm really proud, you know, of, of kind of how far I've got in terms of having this illness and still maintaining employment and things when it's, it has been very difficult. I have just had a period off work um, and I'm due to go back in a few weeks. But it's um, yeah, it's, it's I'm really proud of, you know, just having that achievement anyway, um, whether or not I, I don't do it kind of full time. Sometimes I'm thinking I'll go back to nursing kind of in a, uh, a bank kind of format and where I just kind of go as and when. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really proud of myself for for doing what I do. I think you should be. Mm. And also on the kind of flip side, you should be proud of yourself for being able to step back and go like, this isn't right for me right now. And I can change and then come back to it. I think that's a yeah. really strong thing to do. Definitely. I think it's sometimes you just have to make that decision and you just have to say, you know, I went into it when I was well. Unfortunately, life circumstances happened and I did get unwell again. And uh, I didn't obviously I didn't go into it knowing that I would get unwell. So it's kind mm. of these things crop up that you just can't um, foresee sometimes, really. Yeah. I think just accepting that is something to be really proud of in itself. Yeah, thank you. It's great that the charity that you've been working with as well is sort of to do with people with mental health issues and you've still got that kind of connection to it. Um, yeah. Do you mind if we go back just briefly to sort of working as a mental health nurse? Because you sort of mentioned that. And mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's amazing <laughs> for anybody. I think it's an amazing sort of job, really. I think it's probably quite a difficult job. And I mean, all nurses, I think, are sort of do a really tough job and it's... Um, but how did you actually find it? And were you sort of in a particular unit for young people or was it a hospital? What was the sort of situation you were working in? And how did you find it sort of working with, with other, other people sort of knowing that you'd been um, ill yourself? So I guess um, more recently it, it became a bit difficult because I did have to go into hospital myself. Um, mm. And so it came up for me that um, I'd worked with a lot of people um, that were then involved in nursing me. Um, so basically I did my training. So in the training, you go do 50% placement and 50% practice. So I'd worked in my placements throughout a lot of different teams in the local trust in the area that I work in. So that was home treatment and the community teams, all of that kind of thing. I did do a few wards as well. Um, I used to work properly as a support worker on lots of different wards in Cambridge. Um, actually, yeah, that was kind of mainly where my experience came from, really. 
Um, so job wise, I initially I went to a mother and baby unit, which I think is why I freak myself out about having a baby. Um, so, yeah, so I went to a mother and baby unit. Unfortunately, it didn't work out there for me because my dad passed away about two weeks before I started the job. Um, and significantly, that really impacted my mental health hugely. Mm. Um, and I didn't realise it at the time. And I was still going to work and it ended up with me getting very, very stressed and then having a manic episode kind of. And I had to leave leave the job, um, unfortunately. But that was something that I absolutely loved the experience. I really liked working with the mums and the babies. It was it was just a really, really good experience for me. But yeah, it was very interesting. There was a lot of kind of mums there that had psychosis, um, some with depression, some with eating disorders. So kind of a real mixed bag of people, really. Um, and then after that, I think I went to back to a community team that I'd previously worked in um, and did kind of community nursing. So that's basically you kind of go out uh, and visit your caseload. So you have a caseload of people that are allocated to you and you go out and you do your visits, um, making sure they're OK, looking at their meds, um, delivering medication if needed as well, um, all that kind of stuff. So obviously engaging with them, talking to them in the conversation, um, having a good chat with them, finding out what's been going on, what's been going wrong, or what's been going right and that kind of thing. Um, and then I went to a new crisis support line, which was very new for us in Suffolk. Um, so we've got the first response service now, which is a 24-7 um, helpline. And that's something that's been kind of piloted across the UK at the moment. Um, so normally some places you dial 111 and you get a mental health option. And that's the kind of line that I worked on. Um, so that was really, really interesting. Again, there was kind of quite a lot of um, suicidal people or people that were depressed. Sometimes we'd had um, kind of people with psychosis that needed help quite, quite urgently. Um, so that was a really, really interesting job as well. Um, and yeah, again, I did kind of start getting depressed um, at that period in time. And I, I think kind of that was talking to people a lot about all of their stress for 13 mm. hours a day because it was a long day that we did. Um, and I do think that probably wasn't the best setting for me, although I did thoroughly enjoy it. It did kind of make me feel a little bit depressed sometimes, mm. although I think that was probably because I wasn't on the right medication still at the same time as well. So, so yeah, so it's been difficult for me. I've definitely had challenges at all of the jobs that I've been, but I think it's actually been because I've not been in, on the right medication or in the right place. Um, so I'm still hopeful that actually one day maybe I will return to nursing and it will be the right job that will actually, you know, work out for me because it is my kind of passion, really. Mm. Um, it's definitely something that I'm, I'll always be interested in doing. That's so interesting because it, it sounds like that is a genuine passion for you and you sound very like you have a real curiosity for like yeah. mental health, which is really interesting because obviously you're going through your own mental illness do you feel yeah, like... I think it's I've I just always I've just always loved it mm. I've just always found it so fascinating um kind of like the types of different illnesses the different treatments the medication um even though there's been times where I must have been a pain in the ass to work for because <laughs> I'd say to my my care coordinator no there's no way in hell I'm taking that medication I'm not doing that I'm not doing this and he must have thought god she is a nightmare to be a patient um 
but yeah that's that's just always been my passion that's just and it's it's always going to be something that I love doing and the, the nurses works just so hard mm. um there's been a lot of kind of good programs out lately actually Stacey Dooley does quite a few and she's done um on the psych ward another round two and that is just a really like it that shows you kind of what it's like in a mental health ward mm. um and I mean having been there as a nurse and a patient it's um it's a really difficult dynamic for me sometimes because I think you know even when I was in hospital I kept sometimes thinking oh my god I need to respond to that alarm I need to help and Mm. and then I'd be like no actually you're here to get help so just kind of sit back and you know don't do anything too much really but um it was a it was a new dynamic for me definitely going in hospital and everyone kept saying like Lucy are you a nurse and I was like yes I am a nurse I'm crazy <laughs> I'm obviously a crazy one um but it was yeah it was difficult at times and I had some friends that were working in like the ward upstairs and they were like oh my god but what if I need to come down and get something and I was like you know just don't worry about it I'm here as a patient at the end of the day I I came in voluntarily so I came in informal as an informal patient and you know I I kind of I just knew that I needed to be there really because I knew that if I wasn't there and I didn't get the right treatment that things would go diabolically wrong so um so that's kind of been the most recent difficult dynamic really Mm. is like being treated by people that know you and yeah just um the the kind of life of a mental health nurse that's got a mental health illness really do you feel like there's any part of um you're having experience of mental illness that makes you a better mental health nurse um I guess what it does allow you to do is really empathize with someone Mm. so I always remember times where I've had difficult phone calls with people when they've been suicidal and I actually had a guy call once and he had bipolar and he said to me um Lucy I don't want to be in 30% of people with bipolar that don't have a job I want to do my job and I remember sitting there thinking oh my god I know what you're feeling like I just know exactly how you what you're talking about and I really wanted to say to him like I thoroughly understand you but I think the conversation it just allowed me I didn't obviously say to him you know I know how you feel Mm. but I just sat and listened to him and I think he kind of realized in that conversation it's almost like you know when you just know someone knows what you're talking about yeah they don't have to say anything they don't have to you know they don't have to do anything they just have to listen and you just know that they just get it Mm. um and it's just almost like that comfort that you get really from from talking to them um so I think I guess that's what it allows me to have it's it just allows me to have that empathy and that kind of I don't know I guess just something slightly different to maybe what other people what other people have is just mine is just slightly more intense and a bit more um because I've been there myself especially now um since being in hospital myself as well mm-hmm. I think that gives me a whole other you know if someone said to me I don't want to go to hospital I would sit and think yeah I can totally understand why you don't want to go to hospital and similarly you know if someone had run away or whatever like things like that I would think actually I totally understand because it's it's a really difficult place to be um being in hospital Mentally yours. If 
you've been affected by any of the issues we've discussed today, you can give the Samaritans and Ring on 116123. If you like Mentally Yours, you can also find us on Twitter. We're at MentallyYRS. We also have a lovely Facebook group, which is just called Mentally Yours. And if you really liked us, you could do us a massive favour and give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It's much appreciated. Uh, helps us, you know, continue doing what we're doing. So please do rate and review and check back in next week for more Mentally Yours. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.